the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly at a great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And we are here today to talk about Season 3, Episode 9, edging ever closer to the end of this series, Tholian Web, or as I like to call it, James T. Phone Home. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a really good thing. I also had Mary Celeste's Web as like a Charlotte's <laughs> Web reference. Um, also, what is the interspace? A series of tubes. <laughs> um, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the series of I'm tubes. I'm quite fond of the Mary Celeste web, though. Yeah, it is. Because that's like, Mary Celeste that's like web. three layers, plus there's Isn't some seafaring, spacefaring. Yeah. It's pretty See good. what I did there? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't decide with any of them, so I wrote all of them. I said all of them, <laughs> and uh, I do not regret the time that it took. No. No, time well spent. Very well spent, especially since we got to what is inner space. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm going to throw out as my first question, and I'm pretty much going to direct it in Ari's direction, because I feel like you probably thought about it more than I did. What is interspace? Uh, The thing they made up for this episode. It was later to be explored in, in the Star Trek version of this as, like, the idea of the alternate reality sort of thing. Okay, because they're... Okay, uh, I'm going to take a stab at this. <laughs> yeah. So they come up against another universe, like a parallel... Well, a couple of them. Sure. Where the fabric of space is light versus original flavor. <laughs> Full of holes, yeah. I think. So you could go through one of those holes into another parallel universe. Probably. They weren't very specific about it. I, they left it really No, I, they definitely said the word parallel universe. Yeah. They did, at the very end, they used, they didn't even use the word universe until quite late. They just sort of described it as, real, like, oh, space is very... We will get there, because yeah. they definitely said parallel universe. They said, basically, that space was breaking up where they are, so it's sort of like the barriers are thinner at this particular point in space. Which I believe is the plot of Q Squared, and a couple um, of other next gen episodes, yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest uh, Star, Star Trek, Trek novels of all time. time. Yeah. And there's that one episode of Next Gen that where Worf keeps meeting his quantum selves. Oh yeah. Oh, like all of his yeah. quantum girls. It's the same it's the same basic principles, like there's a place in space where the barriers between alternate timelines and alternate universes, whatever, are sure. weaker. Okay, no 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 no. Because here's the deal. That's fine. I accept that hypothesis, but I have problems with what are the Tholians then doing there? Like, is that their non-space, space, space? See, what was the Defiant doing there? Why was the Defiant yellow? I think why was, was the Defiant a ghost ship? Because it actually turned into a ghost and then ghosted. It was like how they were seeing Kirk, how he was sort of see-through and not quite the right color later on. They kept saying he was in interspace. I get parallel universes. I have questioned about interspace. Yeah. I think they were using them interchangeably, honestly, and that the the ship and Kirk both look sort of see-through and weird color because they were, like, not quite in their universe and not quite in the other one. It felt like something you would get in the next generation would be described as out of phase with our universe. Yeah. So it's still there, but it's just sort of slightly shifted to the left a bit. Or is it, like, the other explanation that I would accept from the television show that I don't get is that there is a gap 
in between the parallel universes, and that's your interspace. It's the it's the nothingness. You're not yeah. here. You're not there. You're just the nowhere. place where Kirk was. Yeah, the the lonely universe. Yeah, yeah. that there's like a, a space in between universes that isn't anything because he describes it that way. Like there's no stars. It's just darkness. It's just him. Just him by himself. Yeah, that I would totally accept as well. That makes sense to me. Even though of all of the things that they make up for this episode, that actually makes the least sense. But I'm willing to accept it anyway for the purposes of narrative. I don't mind that that there's nothing in between universes because 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 because. Because of the wonderful things it does? Well, no, because of Lazarus, Pazarus, Nazareth. Mm. Oh, yeah. In that there, between the two, there was, like, neutral Neutral space, yeah. So between your positive and your negative. And it's funny that they're almost being internally consistent about this, since this particular method of portraying alternate universes was completely abandoned by the time they finished this series. It's bonkers. So this episode Mm -hmm. was written by two spec writers, a husband and wife, who used it to fund their trip to Africa. Good wow, for them. Good job. I wish you could still do that. And it was, I think, originally pitched as more of a ghost story, but the show Bible is like, no, you can't do ghosts. It has to be science. Yeah. Um, I like don't science know. in italics. They though. did it like a half a dozen more times in Star Trek. Basically, ghosts? it's a ghost. Oh, oh okay. Oh. If we're talking about Beverly Crusher, no, 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 no. Like, Beverly Beverly Crusher literally has sex with a ghost. Except it wasn't a ghost, it was an alien. No, I'm thinking of the one where <laughs> Ro and Jordy end up out of phase and they sort of haunt the ship. That's yeah, but they're I'm, not ghosts. They're yes. not ghosts. They're There's out. no supernatural. No, no, no. They're, they're still there, just slightly to the left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And there's no supernatural crossovers with Star yeah. Trek because there's no supernatural. But there in Star are Trek. elements. Of like perceiving the super of it being perceived as the supernatural, if only briefly. By stupid people. Well, by who would very haunt a spaceship? It's constantly people. moving. Well, there's a, there's an episode where some woman shows up on a planet and is like, "I'm the devil," and Picard's like, "Let's science this out." Yeah, he's like, yeah, <laughs> "Is she the devil?" She no, is not the devil. <laughs> well, that's a disappointment. He sciences it out. Yep. And that's the thing. Like, I love. Oh, this is weird. I loved this episode, despite I'm the not fact surprised. that the Tholian web is the stupidest thing that I have ever seen in three-dimensional space, and also that Kirk is in almost none of this episode. Yeah, yeah I realized that about, like, two-thirds of the way through, that, like, this was, like, a Kirk-free episode. There was a point <laughs> where I was like, because he heroically goes down with the other ship for no, no reason. reason. And I was like, oh, so it's going to be about, like, his heroic journey, heroing himself back into the right galaxy. No! He is just not here, is the he? The particulars of that bit were, like, why they lost him were extremely contrived. Yeah. I... Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I liked... I actually really liked this episode a lot. Dang. Up until the end when it came time to resolve everything. And then it sort of fell apart for me because the three crises that they were facing were all solved independently of each other and didn't really connect to any for any reason. I will give you two out of three being solved correctly. One of them being, like, the entire Tholian web, which they just kind of jumped over. over. Which makes sense because they were building a one-dimensional piece of paper in space where you can go up, so, down... To the sides, and also back. That exact argument is a subject for a lot of debate on the internet since the internet has existed. And apparently the current official canonical version of this is that it is not a one-dimensional structure. It is surrounding the ship. We just don't see it. No. What it reminded me of is in the pilot episode of Next Generation. No accident. When Kirk, not Kirk, Q shows up and sort of like fences the Enterprise in, and it's... With a wall. Yeah, and it's sort of curved around them, and you don't... I don't know if we actually see the we whole don't thing see all the way so around we're supposed them, to just assume. But they can't get out of it, and that's exactly what I assumed it was like. Go yeah. up. 
Go up. Go up. You're in space. Go down. Yeah, but no one ever does in sci-fi. They no one ever, ever goes up or down. No. They it just forget. They forget an entire axis, which is funny considering it's space. Star Trek does this all the time. Star all Wars sci-fi does this. Sometimes. Very Star Wars does it better than Only others. during dogfights. At all other yes. times, they do the same thing as everyone else. Like, oh, shit. I'm trapped. I can't go forward. Have you considered other dimensions? Actually, the only time in Star Trek I can think of them specifically, like, like reversing subverting this trope is the one where they build the net is it like on the romulan border and they have all the ships oh that one's great yeah 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 so the tholians of tholians web are in the episode not important in the slightest no they're like the tholian web is just a plot device to get in the way it's the ticking clock yeah I, i wish that there had been more about these about this web, which yeah. is a weird thing to really want because I did that. Like that's not the heart of the matter. It's not at all. Well, and the thing is, it wasn't even really necessary. They could have. They had other ticking clocks already. The web was unnecessary. I think it was to kind of create the claustrophobia and to stick them in that spot so they couldn't. But like move. space is breaking up around you. You already have. But like, they could just leave. And I they guess. had to stay. And there had to be the conflict of like, why did Spock stay? Yeah. So break why the did ship. he choose? A, and I have definite questions on that. Why did he attack the Tholians when he made a promise and then he broke that promise? And they're like, well, we are going to shoot you if you break your promise. And then he seems surprised, shocked, scandalized. This is a very tense episode. Yes. Yeah. That, that is what I enjoyed about it is the constant ramping up of the tension and mm-hmm. the stake rate, like the constant stakes raising. Yes. I enjoyed that. And I, again, I thought it was great until you get to the end and it all just sort of solves itself and there's no real feeling of peril or actually oh, surmounting a big obstacle. It's just kind of like, oh, well, we fixed it. Okay, good. Let's, let's go. That for me was the letdown. And that the three things, because you have the disease that's making the crew, going to make the crew go insane. Yeah. You have the Tholian web. Yeah. And you have Kirk being lost in interspace. And you have, yes. those are the three crises. Yes. That need to be resolved. But they don't. I was expecting there to be some sort of weaving together of the solution for the three. And there wasn't. Well. Bones is just like, well, I found the disease. I found the thing. And we no, cured the disease. Everybody's fine. We jumped the, th- we jumped the fence. We're out of the web. And we beam Kirk back from inner space, and there was nothing to bring it, bring it all together. Well, here, Moving no, the ship did allow them to beam Kirk back. No, on board. no, no. It it all has to do theme wise that once Spock and McCoy accept their yeah. roles and accept the fact that they, they have together. to work together, then all those crises those crises resolve themselves. Yeah, thematically they the are thing. connected. I admit, factually, they are less connected than they could be. And I agree. Like the yeah. solutions to all those are not great. You're not like, wow. Like I feel like we really came. In- together and figure that out like I I wish they had worked a little bit more on taking out from that theme of like we're stronger together yeah we are stronger together when we work with our strengths and you borrow from me I borrow from you and then we make the better crew right with Kirk's guidance as like ghost Kirk ghost Kirk and I I get what you're saying that it isn't a perfect solution because essentially as soon as they are like, well, shit, yeah, maybe we should cooperate. Then it's bang, 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 bang. We've got all our solutions. Everything's fine again. Yeah. But I, I am okay with it because it it's not so much the resolution of those particular threads for me. It's the resolution of their relationship and their tension between the two that is resolved 
and then the rest of it just follows. Okay. Because for me, the tension between them was really tied into the ramping tension of the crises. And I would have liked to have all, like, everything resolved as, like, all part of the one one solution or whatever. But it, it was still, it was a very good episode. It was really, I think, uh, preemptively, I think we're all going to give a uh, performance of the episode to Leonard Nimoy and um, Nimoy and Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. I thought they both did a really good job with the material. And it was so nice to see them acting together without Kirk. Yes. Yeah. Um my performance is going to to Nimoy solely. Not because not because I wasn't like I didn't like DeForest Kelly, but just because I loved Nimoy's performance of Spock trying not to lose his shit in the middle of a crisis. I just thought, I just thought he had that little extra something for me that made Spock's perform, and I mean, I'm also biased because I love Spock. You do love Spock, and I am, at times, grappling with Bones, and his I grapple with him a lot. Yeah, but I I thought they did a really good job, and it was oh, yeah. really interesting. This felt like so much more of an ensemble episode than all previous episodes. Yeah. Do you know I mean, why? No Kirk. Well, no Kirk. To well, they're also like thing around it was which- also like ten times the size of the normal cast. Like, there were tons of background people in this episode. And also, I, I agree. Like, I'm sure Shatner's on screen. Um, but ha- but Kirk is, like, Kirk is the main character. And so, therefore, like, in every episode, he has to be the central figure around which all of the episode revolves. Mm-hmm. By removing him and not having the central, having a one single central character, you give, you, you give room for everybody else to step in. And I mean that's part of it. Is part of part of the the episode is the tension between Spock and McCoy over who who is sort of like not necessarily in charge, but who is making decisions correctly. I think it's also because Spock and Kirk are generally the ones who have the conflict, with McCoy kind of jumping up and down beso- behind them, going ah ethics ah. Um, and once you don't have that equation and that conflict running your episode or driving the emotional arc of it, it gives a chance for more people to do things. Yeah. So, <laughs> 14 minutes and we haven't actually gone to the episode at all. Um, why the hell do they keep letting ships go out into uncharted space? It never, ever ends well. Because if they just stayed in charted space, we'd never leave the Earth's solar system and the show would not exist. Well, yeah, I don't know. There's there's all the space to other species in charted. Five-year like... mission to explore the galaxy. It's just that they're clearly Every following the Defiant. So it's not unexplored space no. as part of their mission. It was just, where does these mission, guys go? Is the Defiant the ship that goes missing in the Star Trek Beyond? Uh, it's got it's got some uh, white guy explorer to, name. We need to Google this. Yeah. Please Google this. It's not this. the yeah. Defiant. We would it's, have remembered that. Please Google this. There's the Franklin. Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Which is, you know, the one of the Antarctic ships. It's not named after. It would have been better if it had been the Defiant. Yeah. That um, would have had a better tie, like the ship that was lost. They keep saying that they never lose ships. I'm like, guys, you've lost a lot of ships. Many ships. Yes. The Enterprise itself has been lost on occasion. Like four times. Yeah, but the Defiant, like, that's the Defiant. There's the Creamhorn ship, like, a lot of dead people. And it was like a, it was Enterprise. 
prize class one, so we're talking at least four hundred. Yeah. Um. If you want to talk, let's do your death count. If you want to do my death count now, was the entire crew of the Defiant, which is up to four hundred and something people. We don't actually get a crew comp, like a count of who's dead, but we do see like the grisly specter of all the bodies just strewn about the ship. So if it's the same size as the Enterprise, and the Enterprise has about four hundred people. Give it or take. Give or take, depending on who's directing the episode yeah. and yeah. who wrote it. Yeah. So it's around, the death count is around 400 people. I mean, yeah, they died before we got there, but I counted them because we saw them. That's, yeah, and they murdered each other. Yeah. Horribly. Love it. Yeah. They find it. It's sort of like, I when they have ships sort of, like, askew in space, it's always very affecting. Even when, in this case, they are translucent and green. This one is much more... It's a ghost ship. Like, yeah. I love this because it's a ghost ship story. Yeah. And I yeah. love a good ghost ship. There's yeah. something just disquieting about the entire idea of yeah. ships full of dead people or ships that are empty in space. What I do not like about this beginning... Um, other... The part that I did like was the close-ups of everyone. That yeah. was so effective that you started out on Chekhov and Sulu looking yeah. like like, really tense and anxious, yeah. and it immediately threw you into, like, a, oh my god, what is going on? Why Why are they so... Why, why don't they have any chill right now? It's so... What I did not like is... <laughs> sensor failure. Kirk, explain! Uh, well, the sensor is failing to see what... Like, the sensor is not picking up this ship, but they're all clearly looking at this ship. Yeah. Kirk is like, well, explain! Well, fuck, I don't did. know! Yeah, yeah. I mean, plus, I'm shocked that Spock never snaps at him and says, "How the fuck am I supposed to know?" I also like that, and by like, I mean laughed out real hard that they can't even detect that the ship is actually there. May as well be an optical illusion, but let's definitely be bored. That, yeah, Super I have that under, underlined three times. <laughs> and I'm like, if your sensors aren't picking it up, how can you find the coordinates to transport yes. aboard? I would love to have this explained. However, they are at least this time sensible enough to be wearing spacesuits. Yes. But, yes. okay, for, like, we the know first time ever. from previous episodes that transporting without proper coordinates is a recipe for death. Yes, because yeah. you might end up in a wall. So we're going to transport you to, best guess, thereabouts? Over there. Somewhere. Over there. And I guess that's why they're wearing the space shoes. I would love to think it was for, like, contamination issues. But we know what their contamination but suits not- look like. Wait. The uh, crazy berserker disease, is that just caused... By space, I think it was so. caused by interspace. It was yeah, caused it was... by just exposure to the area because, like okay. Chekhov, when we like we're skipping ahead a little bit here, but when Chekhov, you see, first see him like getting all faint and leaning on yeah. stuff, he's wearing a spacesuit. Yeah, it was causing the way that Bones explains it later is it actually causes nerve damage. Sure. But sure. sure, whatever. It's mm-hmm. bad for you. Back but to the space, space suits. Back to the space suits. Okay, so everybody is wearing sil- shiny silver jumpsuits. Mm. I loved these. They are some serious, like, 70s glam rock shit. They were mm. great. They had nice boxy helmets on with a clear <laughs> head faceplate. And then they yeah. had all sorts of cables running and tubes running up and down. There was yes. a purple tube and a blue tube. And, I and think a fuchsia tube. A fuchsia tube. Yep, and there was like, um, every, oh, my favorite little detail is everybody had a nameplate yep. on their spacesuit. So McCoy, Chekhov, Spock, Kirk. Why? Oh, I assume because it's, they're so tight fitting that you had to have those fitted. Those were custom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're, I like how much glitter was involved. involved. 
They're very shiny. They were extremely shiny. Like, you could have hooked one of those guys up to the ceiling and used them as a disco ball. The thing that I'm kind of, like, when I saw these, I was thinking about it, and you don't really actually see that many spacesuits throughout the whole run of Star Trek. The only other time that, like, I mean, there may be other Mm -hmm. ones, other than, like, the movies, because you see them in movies, but in the series, the only other time I can remember them being used is um, in Voyager... When Belana Torres gets lost in space with Tom Paris and she confesses her love to him in the middle of space when they're about to die. That sounds about I think that's that's very true. I I'm guessing because it is very expensive and because you also have to shoot exteriors that is also expensive. Yes, and then you also have to trap your actor inside a very small costume for a long time. Yeah, so these were onesies, so if they had yes. to go to the washroom you had to take it uh, all the entire off, thing had to come off. Which is costly. Yeah. Yeah, Very but in costly. universe, I assume it's because starships are really fucking fancy, and if you have to go outside, something's gone really wrong. But I assume that at some point you would have to do repairs. Yeah, like, and we also see repairs of the exterior, and they do so. have spacesuits. We know that because because they have custom made ones. Because they have custom made ones like disco balls. But we also know for a fact that they do zero g tra- training at the academy. So and like how to do spacewalks and all that shit. So they train to do it. They just don't do it that often. I guess it's fine. So they, the first, um, this is great. Yeah. Yes, the very first thing we see on the Defiant Bridge, they do actually manage to be inborn somehow, is the captain choked to death on the floor. Amazing. Right. And here's my favorite part of the episode. Yes. Chekhov asked, has there ever been a mutiny aboard a Federation starship? And Spock, Spock, straight face. <laughs> I didn't even there is, there is connection. Right? Oh there is God. absolutely no record of such an occurrence, says the man who's committed mutiny at least twice. <laughs> like... Really? I gave my screen a hard side eye because I was like, never, never, never said Spock, who's done it twice. That we know of. Oh my god, I didn't even think yeah. about that. Mutiny is practically his hobby. We yeah. do say that all the time. Mm-hmm. He's the most experienced mutineer in Starfleet. Yep. Because he still has a it. job. It's Somehow. crazy. Yeah. Because yeah, I love it because the the hands of his assailant are still around the captain's neck yeah. and then he just kind of like They just died. Died. Yeah. And there's like bodies Everywhere. for miles. Yeah. For miles. Um, and while Chekhov, they all sort of go off and explore the ship and find dead people everywhere. And Chekhov, while he is exploring the dead people in engineering, swoons. I'm like, I agree, Pavel, this is extremely disturbing. And then he swoons. Yeah, I really love the part where they flip back to the ship. And usually I don't care about what's happening to the ship when we've got our main plot. Yeah. But this is so great. So he's like, oh, like, the Defiant seems to be shifting away from us. Like, I should, should I keep near it so that we can be in the back? And there is the longest pause of all time (laughs) where Scotty is sitting in the captain's chair thinking... Geez, I'm awfully comfortable. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, if oh, we have to. That's amazing. Yeah. And back on the Defiant, they're, like, still exploring dead bodies, and Kirk asks if a mental disease could have affected all of them, as though that's, like, a wild, crazy, out-of-this-world thing that has never befallen the Enterprise at least six times. Okay, one detail that we skipped over that I liked um, is when McCoy is in sick bay. And there's all, like, the dead staff on the floor, but all of the patients are strapped down. Yeah, it's creepy. It is extremely it's creepy. Because, like, creepy. you have all these people who are murdered, but then you have people who are actually, like, 
strapped into their beds who are dead as well like it's like a creepy asylum horror movie yes the 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 moment here when Chekhov does his like hit by the whammy moment Mm -hmm. he kind of swivels his hips a little bit as some sort of dance move and then kind of leans up against the and should he report this to someone nah well maybe he thinks he's just overcome by the horror well, here's the thing. When McCoy's hand goes through a okay. guy... I need to talk yes. about this because it doesn't make any fucking sense. A, I really bugs me when they do the phasing through objects, but the floor doesn't let you through. And and the second thing that's bothering me is they're on board the Defiant, which means they should be shifting with the Defiant, which means their hand shouldn't be going through stuff. They should be phasing just like the ship and the people on it. Agree to disagree because it's a great special effect. It's it is a great, great special, special effect. effect. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. I am willing to buy that individual objects on the Defiance are phasing. Yes. And why aren't the away team? Because, because they're, they're not. From, they've spent, the Defiant is from their universe. Yeah, yeah but, but the they've Defiant, spent more time in their universe. So if it's cumulative, like rock yeah. or radiation? Yes. For sure. That table has been exposed to more radiation than exactly. anywhere else on the ship. It's I a great point. Fine. Because, like, McCoy's hand goes through a guy. Yep. It goes through a desk. And he's like, huh, should I report this? Well, he does. <laughs> he immediately Not immediately. Does. Like, yeah. I'm going to take a moment to really think He puts his hand this. through the table. He kneels down. He puts his hand through a guy. He's like, uh, Jim, this ship is dissolving. Great line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Should we be known immediately? Yeah. My, the transporter, like, the transporter technician, O'Neill. <laughs> Clearly a predecessor of O'Neill from Stargate. So... He knows for a fact that he has just beamed over the whatever the hell checkoff is. Uh, security guy, Kirk, the captain of the ship, and the chief medical officer. And the first officer. And the first officer. You beamed over four out of the five most important people on the ship. <laughs> Six. Is he like standing, waiting for the orders? No, he's underneath dicking around with a console and it's like oh hey you rang apparently the transporter stopped working like, yeah because that like, came out of they're not they're not there and sure again should i report this nah, nah. Well, no it seems like scotty already knows the transporter's having problems because they immediately call him and he's like yeah we've been having problems with the transporters nothing is working right because yes very stupid so Kirk decides to heroically captain himself out. Yeah, because so, they can get three of them, but not four of them, because plot. Yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And they beam three of them out and leave Kirk behind. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. You're wearing a spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just jump out a window or something? Because there's Is no the window windows there? on the Kick bridge? yourself away there's from no the windows ship. In space. There are airlocks, I am certain. My question is, so... Your transporter is not working. Nope. For reasons Reason. unknown. A ship is dissolving around you. Do you take the chance the transporter is going to transport you into nothingness? I would run for the nearest airlock. Or do you send a shuttle? Ooh, Shuttles are pretty shuttle slow. to the ghost ship? No, I'm with Kim. A shuttle would have made way more shuttle sense. Shuttle to the ghost ship. Yeah, I probably wouldn't risk the transporter, but I still think I would look for the nearest emergency airlock. Well, you can jump out the airlock and they can still send a shuttle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Right. But I would get the fuck off that ship as quickly as I possibly could. Because it's dissolving, possibly well, into another universe. I don't want to go to another universe. I'd be hard-pressed to get on the ghost ship because it's a ghost ship. Mm-hmm. It was glowing green. Yeah, it looked irradiated. Nothing Nothing should be that color of green, not even Gatorade. No, that's like Scooby-Doo cartoon green. Uh, and they get beamed back, and the Defiant just... Blink! Vanishes. Yeah. 
Um, Spock is convinced that the Defiant will reappear if they just stay there long enough, because apparently Interphase is, like, cyclical or something. There is a, a diagram that shows yeah. up later in the episode. Yeah. That- that I would like someone with some rudimentary physics and math knowledge to look over because I looked at that and was like, nonsense. I don't think so. <laughs> Spock um, has to do some space math. <laughs> we need to jump back like two steps here because um, while Kirk is waiting on the ship to see if they can transport him, um, uh, Shatner... Does some beautiful face work, and he just looked so alone. Aww. And he's just, it's just Kirk by himself, and it's very weird to not see him surrounded by his crew. And he just, I thought it was a good moment. He does a lot of, lot of good face stuff in his two minutes in, <laughs> of appearing in this episode. I had the part where he appears as a ghost is fun. He's a very good my ghost. favorite mime of like, all time. floating in the middle of the thing and his mouth is just working like a fish. That was great. It looks like he's trying to suck on a giant watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we can go back. The okay. Pa- Fight vanishes. Poof. Kirk is gone. Uh, and Spock wants to stay and see if it comes back. Um... Scott thinks that if they stay here, the ship will be pulled apart. So there's our first ticking clock. Scotty's right. Yeah. Scotty's right. Spock is wrong. And my entire thesis for the remainder of this episode is that Spock does not make good decisions. Well, that's the whole thesis of Star Trek's, like, no, I don't know. It's their entire theme of Spock in command is that he does not make good decisions. This one, I would actually say he does not make good decisions because he's emotionally compromised. Yeah, I mean, the reason he stays is because he wants to get Kirk back. Well, and he also says near the end of the episode that he does exactly what Kirk would have done. He's right. Kirk would have done the exact same thing. Yes, Kirk would have stayed. Kirk is always emotionally compromised. Kirk Kirk would have stayed for Scotty or McCoy or Or Spock. Spock. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, whether he would stay for just anyone. Hard to say. Might stay for Ahura, but, like, I think... As much as we can say that Spock did make the wrong decision and he should have left and saved, like, the ship or whatever. Like, everyone. He did exactly what Kirk would have done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know that Kirk is the best... Oh, fuck. I can't say I'm just <laughs> I don't believe that Kirk is the best example of a captain. <laughs> yes! Amazing! Well, in the way that I do not agree with these kind of decisions where you sacrifice the good of the many for the one... No, that's why the Vulcan proverb is the good of the f- the good of the many outweigh the good of the few or the one. Yeah, which is hard to accept in my heart, and that's not what a captain captain hero does. No, but every time they do it later on, it, it's sort of like the point of subverting the the proverb is that like yeah, but that's the human thing to do. And Spock in this case does the Kirk thing. He does the human thing. Yeah, he does. He yeah, he does all of Kirk, but without like the bravado. Which yeah. is it's. That's kind of one of the reasons why the the argument then between Spock and McCoy is so great because yeah. Spock does he does what McCoy is always asking for him. He does the human thing. He does the emotional thing and he stays and he tries to get Kirk back. Yeah. And McCoy goes off on him for it. And it, I mean <laughs> McCoy is like grieving and like really upset and is being a, kind of a dick, but like it's 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 a very interesting like it's a role reversal yeah yeah um, which I thought was done really well yes my also favorite part of that is that 
Uh, everyone is going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're basically standing around talking about, like, should we stay, should we go? And Chekhov just loses it. It's great. I feel like, uh, Chekhov is definitely their favorite torture pet. Like, yes. if there's someone to be killed off in an episode, or yep. someone to go crazy, or someone to get tortured, yeah. it's always him. It yeah. is always Chekhov. Which is weird, especially since he was hired on as this character to, like, appeal to the young ladies who like the monkeys and the beetles and apparently men getting beat up, (laughs) which I'm sure led to a lot of, like, BDSM things and, like, (laughs) awakenings, like, yeah, that's okay with me. Well, I mean, I mean, people do like a character that gets tortured a lot. Why? It's fun to watch them fall apart and then put them back together. That's really disturbing. Yes, because you would never want it to happen to anybody in real life, but it's yeah. Back in the fantasy, we used to call that wump. Oh yeah, wump. Yeah, yeah. John Shepard wump fic. That's what you want to read. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So Chekhov flips out. You want to stay here and die like him, and and uh, they have to like nerve pinch him. And I was like, so that's what happened to the Defiant crew. Yes. My favorite part is that it is medically diagnosed as murderous fury. Yeah. <laughs> is it communicable murderous fury? Someone else? Straight facedly? We also get introduced to our second ticking clock, which is like, well, is Kirk still alive? Well, he might be. He might come back. He might be in our transported beam, but we won't be able to like complete the transport until he phases back or whatever. And oh, by the way, his spacesuit, it only has like three hours of air. Seem to be a very long 3.6 hours, shall we say. Shame on you, Glamrock spacesuit. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a shitty amount of air. Well, it's not no air. Mm. Well, he can always just do what Belana Torres did to survive in her spacesuit. Which was? Constantly lowering the mix of oxygen to, to pull it out as uh, long as possible. Good strategy. Because then when you confess your love, you're going to pass out immediately. You don't have to face the consequences for a while. Pass out or just fake it. <laughs> yeah. Here's where our uh, Tholians finally appear. This is great. First of all, it's coming in from 200,000 kilometers. I love it whenever kilometers make an appearance in this. Yeah. It makes me so smug. I feel like I understand how far away things are. I mean, I don't because it's still too big to be a real number, but better than if it were miles. Yeah. For sure. Here's the other thing I noticed about this episode. And I know that actors have a really hard time. Like, what do I do with my hands? Like, these weird appendages that I have at the end of my wrist. Like, what am I supposed to do with them when I'm talking or acting or reacting to things? I have noticed that Ohura's entire thing, what she does with her hands, is take out her earpiece. Always. Yeah. She does it three times in this episode. Here's the deal. Her job is listening to things. That is true. Well, I sit at my office and I have a headphone in one ear. So on the other the other ears free so I can hear the telephone. Uh-huh. Anytime somebody talks to me, I have to stop and take the headphone out so okay. I can hear properly. But here's the deal, Kim. In this situation, <laughs> the telephone is your earbud. And by taking it out, you do not hear any telephone. That's not true. But it's all the time she does ringing. it, it's because it's it's coming through like the speakers or whatever on the bridge. Yeah, no, she just does it willy nilly. Oh, can we stop and talk about her earrings? Because I think these are new and I like them. I, I, I was really them. conscious of her head, of like Michelle Nichols' head in this episode. So I don't know if she was styling her hair slightly differently because it felt like it was more it was back. off her face. Yeah. yeah, it was less. It was slight. It was less fussy than it yeah. Was. It was 
whatever. It was, I was just very conscious of her entire head because her hairstyle changed. But she had these great earrings and they sort of came down and then they spiraled into like a tight loop. A tight round I thing. I did not notice them at all. Oh, I was so aware I of them. Her nail polish, which was so distracting. Her white nail polish again. Yes. I like in the funeral scene, that's all I could look at. And it's someone's funeral. Well, they all did just go in their work clothes. Yeah. You should true. not be upstaged by someone's nails. Uh no, I think being upstaged by someone's nails is quite fair. <laughs> A good set of nails is beautiful. Uh, Strong disagree and keep your fetishes to yourself, Kim. The best part of this episode is coming right up. Is it the very, very alien alien? No, it's the very angry rock that comes a calling. <laughs> I love this. It's more like a toaster. No, it's a rock. It's a goddamn rock that calls them on the telephone. And it has, like, angry, glowing, triangle eyes mm-hmm. in the face of a rock it's bright. like a geometric rock the shape. whole thing is bright it's like red yes it's like a lump or like a shiny piece of coal well they've yes. done something weird it's like it's like it's the negative or something yes yeah i which i thought that was clever it. because we didn't have to see how bad the costume actually looked it was a rock that had eyes painted on yeah. it i thought it looked really cool yeah like it was very yeah. different it wasn't like a person or something it was great no, it was like no. this is a very this is an this alien. is a very angry rock and i liked the voice that they used for it it yeah. was like was it um like was it more than one person and then they modulated it or was it a woman or i don't know who it did was the voice. it was very cool it was very electronic it was oh i love that sorry i want to go back to that rock <laughs> just we we don't get great aliens all the time. Like, sometimes we get pipe cleaners. Yeah. And we just have to make do and mend. And sometimes we get really tragical puppets. But this rock was so <laughs> angry. It's because I think it's because we've never had to see it in physical space interacting with the crew members. So yeah. they could make it as interesting looking as they wanted. Well, the Which they should have been doing the entire time. The, yeah. pr- the impression you get is that this is just the way that the Enterprise's view screen system is interpreting the signal from the other ship. So it's like, it may not actually even look like that. That's just the best we can see it. Could you stop harshing on my dreams? They're giant rocks they with might angry triangle they might, eyes. They might be giant rocks, but the signal was really weird. So it's kind of hard to tell what it actually looked like. Strong disagree. They're rocks. Well, maybe. I'm just saying that the color quality and, like, the signal and the resolution and everything was really weird. And I think that was, like, who the hell knows what it looks like. It could also it be a rock. looked like that. And Spock lies. Well, I guess he doesn't technically lie. He doesn't. Them. He's yeah. like, we're on a rescue mission. The ship's like, I don't see any fucking ship to rescue. The rock is right. The rock is yes. correct. The rock is right. And he's like... Well, if you wait long enough, someone to rescue will show up. And they're like, great, you have exactly one hour and 53 minutes. I like I have, that Spock's precision works against him in this he thing. Does. Yes. Where he's like, it'll be one, like, this exact time and this exact minute. And they're like, great, you have exactly that amount of time. And then yeah. one second after that, we will destroy you. No, here's my question. So, as far as they're aware, this is free space. They've never heard of the Tholians before. But then the Tholians suddenly show up and they're like, this is our space, you're trespassing. Are the Tholians from their universe? Have they moved into the Tholians' universe? Or did they just not know that they were here before? No, I don't think they knew that they were there before because, again, this is uncharted space. Yeah. I I think it's just they didn't, like, they thought from their whatever surveys leading up that this was unclaimed space, but it's actually 
part of whatever Tholian Empire exists. Which I wish we could go back to and spend a lot of time with these angry hot rocks. <gasps> well, maybe hot there's just rocks. the one. The other thing that's special about this episode is the use of fishbowl lens, and often. Yeah. yeah. So when people get crazy, they get their own POV camera. Insanity lens. Which is a fishbowl, mm-hmm. which somehow people manage to look pretty good in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And lots of people are going crazy. Uh, in the medical bay, McCoy is working on some kind of anid- antidote. I kept going like an anecdote, an anecdote for <laughs> it. He's going to tell a really good story about a yarn, the disease. A tale that will solve them. No, they're working on an anecdote. Antidote. I'm going to keep antidote. saying anecdote. It's just going to happen and I've accepted it and that's fine. <laughs> um, with Chapel and guy number one, he of course gets hit with a whammy, goes crazy, Starts attacking McCoy. Chapel comes through the doorway, stops dead, and is just like, huh. <laughs> well, she, she does get a pipe of spray and, like, sedate him. Yeah. She stands there like she's watching an MMA fight and she has money on it. <laughs> to be honest, though, if I were Chapel and I were working under McCoy, mm. I might hesitate if he were being attacked and, like, do I let this happen and him die and then I get promoted or do I save him? Do well, I don't I think he nature take its course. Yes. But also, I would be wondering, like, what did he do to bring this on himself? She didn't. She takes her sweet time getting on. I was like, I guess the thing to do would be to hypo spray this guy. Yeah. I guess. Why not give a lot of people hypo sprays throughout the ship because they know they're going to be slowly going crazy? Because they need them to fix things. I also, imagine. if you go crazy, you, you might hypo spray someone who's not yeah. crazy. Worst, the worst that could happen is they fall asleep. Yeah. So uh, they hit their. They, the Defiant reappears. They fail to get Kirk. The sensor readings have changed. And Spock's like, oh, the Tholian showed up and changed space. This gets used a lot throughout this episode to explain why they're failing to do things. It's like if there was, like, a ripple in the fabric and the ship showed up and displaced the ripple, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, if you've got a paper boat on a stream and you're hoping it's eventually going to drift over to you. Yeah. um, And then someone splashes it over there. So, fine. So the ship comes and the ship goes. And then they pass their deadline and the Tholians immediately start shooting at them. They're so great. Yep. They're so great. Um, and the Enterprise fires back because they're being shot at. They shouldn't. No, because it screws up space even more. And then the Tholians start building, you know, the title of the episode around them immediately. And Bones starts yelling at Spock for being a bad captain. Well, no, no, no. there was a really good moment here after the Tholians fire. Um, Spock orders power to the shields, like moving mo- moving a lot of the power to the shields. And Sulu says, well, that'll take power away from the, from the phasers. Do you want to do that? And Spock just looks at him. And Sulu turns around and says, okay, I'm moving power to the shields. And I thought it was amazing. It was like, yes, he just asserted himself with a, just a look. And it was just, don't, why are you questioning me on the bridge in the middle of a crisis? And I thought it was fantastic. I think Sulu was right. Yeah. Because... McCoy storms in on a rhinoceros of righteous anger. And he's like, why don't we just leave? We have no business here. Way to make, like, a diplomatic relationship with the rocks. The first thing you do is you break your promise, and then when they say what they're going to do, and then they do it, you attack their ship. 
in he, their space. He did fire back with low power fi- phasers, though. Yeah, after it they went already through their been. shields and flung their ship out to space. Yeah, but they just went end over end. They didn't explode. They went spinning. I mean, rocks, I suppose, shouldn't be tossed around in space. I no. don't. They just I can't tumble. really. There could have been casualties. I can't really fault Spock for firing back when they've been fired upon. Like I can't. Nope, I do. I think that Spock should have left. I like Kirk. Well, yeah, but that's, like, before the situation happened. In the situation, would Kirk, someone's shooting at me, I'm going to shoot back, too. What would Kirk have done? Would Kirk have fired back yes. and stayed and tried to rescue his crewmen, or would Kirk have left? I think that Kirk would have foxed his way out of the situation, because that's what he does best. But I think it's odd that their first relationship and encounter with these aliens, whose space they are in, mm-hmm. which they know they are in, they know it because they tell them, is to attack them and lie. They say they're on a rescue mission, Which they and are. the Tholians don't believe them because there's no evidence of a rescue but mission. But they are on a rescue mission. Uh, who cares? They say they can't see it. You have an hour to, like, prove that you are on a rescue mission. Except they do reappear, and they're visible, so... No, they don't. Yeah, the Defiant reappears, and they can't get him off. They, it happens a few times, but that's the second time. The Defiant reappears, they can't get a lock, it disappears again. It does happen. So, it's sort of fuzzy. Mm, I don't remember seeing that. Well, it did I, happen. I wrote it down. Sure you did. But even if it did, there's no evidence that they saw it. So, and they... It, it can't be picked up on sensors, is the other thing. Well, so, depending on that alien tech... No, the Tholians didn't. Oh, well. The only reason that the Enterprise sees it is because the Enterprise sees it. They see the ship. And they their sensors don't work. The sensors don't pick up the ship. So if yeah. you're a Tholian and someone's saying there's a ship there, and you look over and it's gone, and you're like, well, I didn't see anything. Nothing is showing up on my sensors, so you're lying. Yeah. Uh, I see it. For, I can. I see it from both sides. I accept both positions as technically correct. I think I also think that just fucking destroying anyone who comes into your space when they haven't actually acted aggressively towards you is a little extreme, but my they cultural values are not that of the rocks. They ask them to leave. You are in our space. Leave. Well, I don't know. In this country, we're not allowed to kill people just because they step onto our lawn. It's a little bit different when you're in space and they're carrying Why? giant gunships and then they park themselves on their lawn with their tank and you're like, I don't know. Oh, it's very, hi, can you take your tank elsewhere? This is very, my house. It's a very brief exchange to escalate to deadly force and no one really knows anything about either side. It just, everything happens quite quickly in that particular situation. No, I still think it's definitely Spock's fault. It's Spock's fault for Absolutely. staying, but once you're in that situation, again, I would have fired back too. Yeah, again, but I think we've also all agreed that Kirk would have stayed as well. Yeah, he definitely would have. He would have foxed his way out. He would have foxed his way out, but Kirk isn't Spock. Or Spock isn't Kirk, so he's not going to fox anything. It's not really his style. because the Tholians are immediately joined by their Tholian friend, and they start making... Tholian too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They start making what can only be described as a sheet of paper in space, and everyone freaks out. Ahura takes off her earpiece again. (laughs) They're like, gee whiz, they're drawing a web. A drawing of a web on a piece of paper in front of them. There was like some sort of, was it, fil- it said they were making something filaments. out of filaments? Like, yeah. So they're like sure. spider webbing, unspooling all of this filament from inside their ship? Like, that is a lot of stuff to store Sorry. inside your tiny little ship. What is 
can go with the web anyway. To trap them. But why? What to what? Like end? a fly. And then you suck all the energy out of them. I don't know. If it was a more if it was a quicker acting web, I can see how that might be useful. But it takes them a really long it's like an etch a sketch. Yeah. It is, and that's the thing, is like do they ever actually expect to finish this web or do they just think, well, we'll start building it and they'll, and they'll scare them and they'll leave. And like the further through building this net they get, the more they're calling back each other going like, they're not leaving. Dude, why aren't they leaving? Dude, the thing doesn't actually work. Oh God, are we going to have to go into like another dimension? There's like, okay, there's like two ships at this point, right? There's two. There's There's two ships. Maybe there's only two ships. There's only two rocks. There's only two rocks. Hmm. Rock, so this is all like rock a smoke rock on. <laughs> rock on, rock off. <laughs> yes. Um, we take a break to have a funeral slash debriefing. Oh yeah, the staff meeting. Mm-hmm. An in memoriam staff <laughs> meeting yes. that apparently McCoy is not invited to. <laughs> I, I I didn't understand that this is a funeral because there's only like 40 people there and there are 423 people on this ship. Everybody else is probably and there's a beautiful lectern that I really like. And for a moment, I was like, well, why doesn't he want him to come to the staff meeting? That's, he's, because Baka, like, get back to the lab, you. And McCoy was like, no. Flounce. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, I mean, technically, yes, McCoy does have better things to do. What mm-hmm. with the antidote to stop people from going crazy. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't a staff meeting. This is a memorial service. This is a really fucking strange time to have a memorial service. It was well, like, it felt like half memorial service, half gentle explanation of what is happening because I have been accused of not caring about the crew's feelings in the past. <laughs> like, I mean, if you think about that, remember that first episode where yeah, Spock yeah, has yeah. come out yeah. of the, the shuttle? Galileo 7. Yeah, and, he, and everyone's like, you're just making decisions without considering anyone's feelings. They like, were wrong. In this he's actually taking the time to consider everyone's feelings. He's sitting, he sat the crew down and said, I'm very sorry, but we have to assume that Kirk is dead and we have to sort of move on with our lives or something at this point. I don't think that they had time to take out for like a memorial service. Kirk has done this before. People have died. He just makes an announcement. He's like, we'll grieve later. We don't fucking have time right now. Okay. Kim, I can see where you're making your point. So there's there's a section of it which is yes the captain is dead let's have our our feelings moment yeah but then the rest of it is cold justification for why I did what I did and uh, like I have reasons and logics for it so yeah it, it is very much a complete justification of all his actions that he's taken to this point you better well goddamn listen to him because Kirk is dead and you're all I've got my favorite part about this is that there is a credit in for one of the actors who plays. Berserker at the funeral. (laughs) Which sounds like the best band of all time. And this man, to borrow a phrase from Amy, uh, turns this funeral into Panic at the Disco, but not just at the disco. (laughs) I really enjoyed the, like... Spock is like, I'm sorry, we have to assume Kirk is dead. And this guy just like, like on cue, the cue yes. was amazing. Yes. He just like immediately loses his shit. Yes. Was See, like, I was wow, you really, really love Kirk. I was picturing that, that villager in that Avatar episode where they realize, <laughs> ah, the Avatar. Foaming at the mouth. The many gift image. It's great. And so they, they I guess not discreetly take him out, All and the then way. like, okay, and moment of silence, which Scotty leads? Scotty is now the second, first officer. 
He got a promotion. We're he did. Every, die. Everybody gets bumped <laughs> up a rung when the captain dies. So yeah, Scotty is now the first officer. So he called the crew to attention, led them in a moment of silence, and off they go. Okay, I've made my feelings about Scotty's decision-making capabilities <laughs> very clear in previous episodes. This is not the dream team I hope it <laughs> Somebody needs to give Sulu some command. Do you remember when he used to get command in the first season? Yeah. Before they started yeah. hauling Scotty's ass up to the bridge all the time? Anyhow, so... Bones <laughs> comes up to Spock... At the end of the, frankly, time-wasting, they don't have funeral, after everyone else is fat, he's like, okay, so we need to go do this ceremony thing in the captain's quarters. And Spock's like, are you kidding me? We just lost 20 minutes. It is great. McCoy yeah. is furious. We have to go do the thing. Don't you have a disease that makes people go crazy to cure? <laughs> don't I have a ship to run? Not important. We have to go to Kirk's quarters. And I was like, to make out. <laughs> because, okay, Kirk said we had to listen to this letter thing if he was declared dead. And you've just declared him dead. I'm like, wow, is that all it takes? <laughs> You're legally declared so dead. You've been cold. missing like 40 minutes, but it's fine. You're dead. So cold. Well, the thing that I like about this is that Spock, just like very obviously, is like, Fine, I will go because you will shut up. Yeah. It's fair because McCoy spends most of this episode questioning your decisions. And why, really why, nasty why, 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 why? It's because he's right. And it, no, but he's like, he's, I, am, I imagine a lot of this is the space dementia. But like, he has this sort of through running thing where he's accusing Spock of staying to make sure Kirk was dead because he wanted the captain's chair. No, okay, I don't think, I don't think. He straight Bones up says that. Yes, he says that. But I was going to say, I don't think that Bones has space dementia here. I think we're supposed to think this is all his grief at losing Kirk. Yes. He is not affected by the disease. He is saying mean and spiteful things, things just to hurt. He, he's trying to hurt Spock because, again, he feels that Spock isn't being human enough in his emotion. He's not having the grief reaction. No. He's being racist, no. basically. No, 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 no. McCoy thinks he's being too human. Make up Which, your fucking mind, Bones. No, because he's saying, why did you stay? You need to get us the fuck out of here right now because I'm the doctor and I'm seeing all these people treated and you are hoping against any evidence, putting all of our lives at risk to save your friend. Yeah, except he's my friend too, but we need to leave. Okay, I don't care. I, realize he's I don't not, care about the he's possibility. Not, he's not a very rational mood, and I get that. But like, he says two completely opposing things when he's yelling at Spock. He says you were behaving too human. You were being selfish. You wanted your friend to be alive. Yes, which but I then agree he with. also says, yeah, I agree. But then he also says you did it on purpose to make sure he was dead because you wanted to be captain. That's a mean thing to say. It, like, yeah. make up your fucking mind. The bones. part where it says to be sure that he's dead, yeah. I get. Because, again, that's another human thing. Yeah, yeah. but is then he follows it up with, you could have been assured with, of a captaincy if you had left. Like, that's uh, in the I, same sentence. He says it like an accusation. It's like, pick one, man. Uh, I, I don't think it's that you could be captain and you could move up and that was great. But every no one would think less of you. Everyone would think that that was as heroic as if you left and saved everyone. It, it sounds, no, the he part where he says you would be assured of a captaincy, I was like, Whoa, and then he follows that up with you would get a medal. And I think what he is saying is that no person in the Federation is going to look down on that as a poor decision of leaving him to die. I did not read that. And I know, that I absolutely did, because all of this 
all of this episode is about their role reversal. Is about yeah, okay? No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But the thing I'm, I don't know. I think I think if if Spock had made the other decision and he had left, McCoy still would have burned him. Oh yeah, him. McCoy would. He would have like, found like, something. McCoy would have stormed about. in there, berating like, "How could you leave yeah, Jim yeah, behind?" Yeah, because Bones yeah. is irrational, but and crazy. That is, he's always irrational. That is what is interesting about this episode yes. is that Spock is acting completely human, and then McCoy is having to be so logical about all of his choices because he is putting the the health and survival of the crew first whereas Spock is putting kind of hope and intuition and his friendship. Yeah, and clearly trying to be the rational one is really wearing on bones because it does not come naturally to him. great. So yeah, they go into Kirk's office which now has this ugly red statue of I couldn't suss out what the hell it was, but it was, it was an ugly, ugly and it was red and an aloe vera plant <laughs> <laughs> just to lighten it up a little bit. Yep. So they are listening to uh, Kirk's last orders, yeah. which seems like a really anal thing to do. I mean, technically, if you're dead, even if you do leave a video of last orders, I don't think they count. Except, you know what? I appreciate that, that Kirk knew both of them well enough to actually make it an order for the, like, the instant they were sure he was dead, oh god, they're going to kill each other, I need to have them have to listen to this immediately to guilt them into doing what I say. It was, it was actually funny. a good pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, a really good pep talk. Just be nice to each other. Like, Spock, this is going to be hard for you. Yep. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. You're going to have to use all of that logic of yours, but you're also going to have to use the insight that I know that you have. Like, I believe in you. But also, like, as for McCoy, he has things. And <laughs> Bones, you should listen to Spock. Like, try not to be a racist I, asshole. I summarized the, the message to McCoy. Stop being an ass to Spock. My, my, yeah. Yes. My summarization of this is Kirk phones it in. <laughs> it is, after the message, an awkward silence. They are both very ashamed of Until, themselves. holy cats, McCoy apologizes. Yeah. yeah. He apologizes twice yep. in this episode. He apologizes twice to Spock. Yep. Yes. And means it. Yes. And means it. Yeah. Going back to our ghost story, however, Aurora is in her... Her beautiful caftan. Her space caftan. Her space caftan. Her beautiful red space caftan. In her all purple, all the time boudoir. Yeah. I just really... She was going for the uh, for the jewelry. She was putting on her necklace. In her casual outfit. Her off-duty necklace. She's got a lot of Ikea shelving, which I Okay, I really liked this because we see this a lot, like, more as Star Trek continues. We get, like, the adaptable furniture because she has a shelf and then she presses a button and it sort of spins around on the wall and becomes a chest of drawers and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. She is, yeah, she's in the middle of necklacing herself up when she glances in the mirror and actually gets to do some acting for a change. She, like, grabs herself like she's in pain. Yeah, because that's what happens... When people start to go crazy, they start no, no, having no, 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 painful no, 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 spasms. No. There's painful spasms when you're about to go crazy, and then there is the wee woozy feeling when you're going into interspace. Yeah. I swear to God. I thought about this for at least half an hour. Yeah. Because there's a difference between the reactions, and Bones does it as well, when they yeah. are going into interspace. Not yeah. the crazy, but when you go into the weird half world, because Kirk's... The ghost of Kirk's past shows up in her mirror with his mouth open doing fish mouth. Fish mouth. Or... He's just like, 
haunting. O- opening and closing. It's like, was it supposed to convey that he was trying to talk to them? I think I so. I don't know. Or he's like panting really heavy because he's running out of air. My interpretation was that. that he was trying to talk to them, but William Shatner doesn't know how to pretend to talk. He can only actually talk. That's, that's fair. She runs out in her slippers. The only part that I do not like about this, I mean, her hair is glorious. I love the slippers. I love her space cap-in. Is that she's running around saying, he's alive, he's alive. I'm not crazy. So Bones <laughs> finds her and he's like, oh, you're definitely crazy and takes her to sick bay. Yeah. No one believes her until another guy says it. Yeah. And this was like, this reminded me of, there's a Stargate Atlantis episode, it's my favorite episode, it's called Echoes, and they start seeing, crew members start seeing ghosts all over the ship, and the first two to see them are Taylor and Weir, the two, like, the two main female characters, yeah. and they go to the doctor, and he's like, oh, they're there, you're probably just stressed, and, like, sends them away to, like, go meditate. And then the men start seeing yeah. them, and they have to come back to the women with, like, their tails between their legs being like, uh, you were right, we're really sorry. <laughs> we're really sorry, we pretended <laughs> yeah. it was your uterus. Yeah. yeah. What is it about a uterus that gives you the ability to see ghosts all the time? <laughs> oh, well, it but wanders, remember? Is, and it makes us crazy. This is what it reminded me of, of being like, yeah. oh, the lady must be crazy, let's lock her up. They do. They strap her to a table and just kind of go, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's really annoying because she starts to believe that she hallucinates. Like, yeah. I didn't really see him, like, you 150% did. Yeah, she believes that she's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, it is, I guess, on the surface, you have one person saying, this dead person appeared in my boudoir mirror. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, you know, empirically, a lot of people are going insane on this ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would probably take a moment to go, oh, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. My weirdest part about all this, because we get some nonsense with Scotty, who cares? Um, well, Scotty's the one who... Scotty and a couple oh, yeah, of other crewmen see Ghost Kirk. When they go back to the medical bay, they're all wearing their hospital blues. Oh, yeah. Who's changing them? That's an excellent question. Chapel. Chekhov is off his nut. Chapel. Why would you take the time to put him into a different outfit? Also... Because why do they take the time to put you in a different outfit when you're at the hospital? To give you access, more, f- the, the outfits are more, more free-flowing, you have more access also, to the Also, there's also access to your fluids, fluids and fluids. when you're ill. Yes. Also, Ahura gets a different hospital outfit than the male characters do. Is it, She's wearing, like, a hospital gown. With is her- it her fancy, low-collared insignia over the top, nope. I'm married to the boss of this show outfit? No, it's, like, a gown. It's got, like, ties at the shoulders. <sighs> it stops, like, mid-thigh. It's it's like a ho- it looks like a hospital gown with no sleeves. Maybe it's her working outfit. No, her I've been vomited on outfit. No, no. that's a good point. Uhura, not Chapel. Uhura. Uhura. Everybody else is in like their patient scrubs, and Uhura is wearing this little tiny nightgown type thing with ties at the shoulders. Because I guess the lady version. Well, she's of- a sexy hospital patient. Sure, yeah. that must be why. She's still wearing her that. comb bra. Did you notice yes. that? It's yeah, kind of. It was to hard miss. not to. She was <laughs> lying down. And those things were <laughs> reaching for Jesus. <laughs> So, <laughs> Scotty sees Ghost Kirk. Oh, then it's okay. And then it's fine. They're like, oh, I guess Uhura wasn't nuts after all. It, Spock, okay. Immediately after Scotty sees Ghost Kirk, they still don't really believe it because there's a conversation between Spock and Bones, and Spock says, sometimes people want to see what they want to see, and Bones is like, oh, it's because they're losing confidence in you. Yeah, that was that was a dig. Wow. That was a for sure um, dig. This, there's, there's also- Go to your room until you find a remedy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why are you even on the bridge right now, Bones? 
I enjoyed Nimoy's acting in this section because Spock just seemed very tired. Like, he was still in, like, emotional control of everything. He was just, like, weary and, like, it's been a rough day. Yeah. Um, especially when McCoy grabs the chair of the ca- the captain's chair and swivels it around to face him uh, and starts shouting at him and then goes, oh, wait, I am, I, sorry, man. Yeah. Sorry. He has to keep catching himself when he starts being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And then, then he faints. Yeah. Bone <laughs> swoons. Yeah. And then they've all seen Ghost Kirk. He, again, appears to be eating a giant watermelon. I would also like to say that Kirk needs to really up his charades game. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Because all he kind of does is lift up his hand and go, oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, that's exactly oh. what he's doing with like, his mouth. Can you, like, mime something? Like, no one can see this, but Kareen is doing mime for, like, I'm lost in inner space. I don't know what's going on. Possibly I'm in some kind of a box. Pull me in, please. Yeah. <laughs> this is beautiful mime. If only this were video. That is true. Like, just do something other than eat your invisible watermelon. Yeah. So, there's a bunch of stuff that happens that is not in, but, like, a lot of little in-between things. Like, they yeah. strategize how to get out of the web because it's they're almost great. out of time. There's the math thing. diagram, yeah. which I could spend hours looking at, not understanding a single thing of what's going on. Uh, math, 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 math. Oh, uh, Bones has discovered orange juice. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. Before this happens, Bones does go to sickbay so that he can unstrap Ahura from Jesus. the table yep. and tell her, by the way... You're not crazy. Sorry about that. Except I don't think he apologizes. No. No one believes what a woman sees until a man sees it too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which Apparently, is rough. the antidote is Tang. Okay. <laughs> All of this I freaking love. Mm-hmm. Because Bones comes in with a beaker of Tang and is like, drink up me hearties. Yo-ho. I have created an, an anecdote. Antidote. Which can be taken orally or... Intravenously. Intravenously. That means you can give it to unconscious people. Why not just shove that down their throat? So they don't choke and die and drown while they're unconscious? They'll be fine. <laughs> just like Is it not. like a cat where you just stroke their throat and it yeah, goes yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what if, they're all awake. No one's unconscious. Yeah, they're so all it's, screaming. It's Spock and Bones and Scotty in... Who's apparently... Mistake. They drink a toast to not being total dicks to each other. It's awesome because Bones explains that it's essentially a Klingon nerve gas <laughs> and acts like booze. And Scotty's like, what? Scotty just like, is like, he takes this and he just shoots it back. He's like one gulp. Yeah. And he's like, this is fantastic. Where do I get more? And then there's a very weird moment where Bones is like, oh yeah, like if you gave a man that, like, if you phasered him, you wouldn't feel a goddamn thing. And this guy, it's like, and thank you, and grabs the entire bottle and leaves. <laughs> Planning to mix it with scotch. Intervention, intervention, intervention. <laughs> I think that was the joke. I assumed it was the joke on his way for him to go dose up his engineering crew. <laughs> or, like, put it in his secret stash inside of his coat of armor. That, too. Like, that and that. Everyone is fine. When they wait for the next interspace thing. wave thing, it jumps them past the web, rendering it totally impotent. And they get Kirk, and it's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. He looks hilarious floating in the view screen in front of the ship. He looks tiny. It was so funny. I laughed pretty hard. Yeah, it's not a good look for him. No. Floating in space. Th- yeah, this was basically, this this little section here was 
the only thing that I didn't like where everything just wraps up very neatly. We brush our hands off and we go about our day. And uh, the Tholians are never heard from again. Not important. My, I, I will give it to the episode because of the point where Kirk is back and he's in the command chair and he's type, like doing the overview. Like, how is it? Oh, like, you guys watched my last message. Was it helpful to you? And they're like, what, what message? message? <laughs> oh, like my last orders that I gave to you guys. Like, please. Oh, no, we didn't have time. What? But... And then it was just like, Jim, we were he kind of in so a crisis hard. here. He looks gutted. Yeah. And those two assholes <laughs> are like, no, like, we were the greatest. Like, one, two, awesome. get it done. We were fine. We got along as well as you could be expected there in a crisis no where we were professionals. It was all great. And we didn't have time to make diary entries, so you're <laughs> never going to know nothing. <laughs> and he is just like a sad puppy that's been put out on the stoop, like, Oh, like, you, you didn't need me at all? Like, my wise words of wisdom that I really thought hard about? No, no, we're fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, Ari, what is your count for this episode? Twelve women and either 17 or 19 people of color. There were a couple who might have been repeats. There were, there were a, a lot, lot of people, in the, of people in, in the funeral, in the hallways. There was Lying a, dead on the floor of yeah. the starship. But again, I wasn't counting dead people, people actually. in the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Well, I assume some of them were the same actors. But actually, like, honestly, this is one of the very few episodes where it actually feels like there might be 400 people on this ship. At least more than 40. Certainly more. It mm-hmm. was a cheap episode in the way that they reused all their sets, which yep. is yep. always, like, a good... But it was very expensive for the special effects. Yeah. yeah sure. but, and there was also no guest star. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun. I don't. I don't mind a good bottle episode. No, and this was a good one. I love the concept of a ghost ship. Mm-hmm. I liked the role reversal, the Scotty McCoy stuff. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said at the top, it was great until the end, kind of fizzled. But not important. No. It was a. You know what? The it had a lot of balls in the air. The joke off at the end, I really thought was quite funny. That yeah. was actually like legitimately funny because it they actually yeah. like they had cooperated enough to screw with Kirk. Like that's meaningful. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was not like some of the stupid like gross joke outs that they do. This yeah, was, this was genuinely funny. Like, was what was the last one I thought was genuinely funny? Like Trouble with Tribbles or something? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, life lesson to be taken from this episode, Kim. Uh, don't be a dick. I mean, that's a general life lesson. Anything that ties a little bit more into this episode? Bones, don't be a dick. Yeah. He can't help himself. Uh, Ari, life lesson from this episode. Stay the fuck off of fucking ghost ships. That would have saved them a lot of time. Okay, fair, fair, fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine is that if you encounter a wall, (laughs) attempt to go... Around it, over it, under it, or just reverse. Uh, space and time are at least three dimensional. <laughs> there could be other dimensions. I think there's might be actually like nine in the world or something like that. Maybe even more. There's at least for sure four. Yeah. There's definitely more than four. I read a book once where it was like, oh, and then there's the fifth dimension, the sixth dimension. I was like, uh, well, you're going to have to stop because I can't handle this. <laughs> but... If you're in a giant starship hurtling through space, you should have at least to handle, like, two more than the regular one. <laughs> yeah. 